Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Victory. Victory. Sweet like the scotch I am drinking, my friend. Buddy, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I spent my night over at uh, Hardywood Park in West Creek. Nice. Drinking some fighting Hokies lager, watching the Hokies upstairs with uh, with some fellow alumni and uh, some other folks for um, that showed up. Just a, a big party over there. They had the uh, projector up. Pretty solid event. Very nice, man. I was solo here at the house, all by myself. No one bothering me. Love my wife for that. <laughs> <laughs> But dude, my wife came with me. My, my 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 wife's a hokey though, so she. Uh... Your wife drove you home. <laughs> there we go. That, that helped too. <laughs> that was that a big was benefit. There. <laughs> Shout out to your wife for driving me home tonight. All right. There all right. We go. So first of all, Brian, let's start with this. It's five fifty nine. You're at Hardywood. I'm here at the house, and they're still showing tennis. Yeah. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And, you know, I'm sure it's contractual and stuff. And all of a sudden, flips. And, dude, there is a sea of orange in the stands. Lane looked gorgeous tonight. She looked beautiful. The entrance sounded great. Give ESPN's production team a shout-out. The intro sounded great. The running sounded great. And then, man, all night. The Terradome was back. Yeah. It was loud all night. They, they were in the game. Um, looks like the uh, the GA in North End Zone is working as, as expected. <laughs> the students did not leave. Yeah. Um, that And it was loud. It was really loud. I know going to one of the breaks, I don't know if they had the volume there. They were showing a highlight from one of the other games. And Jason Benintendi and Andre Ware was like, we have no clue what you just said because it is freaking loud here. We Shout can't to- hear shit. <laughs> we can't hear anything that you're talking about because it is loud. Um, and I don't know if you noticed it, Brian, and, and this was just cool to see. And, it, and, again, it brings me back to when we were there, what, what we grew up on. For all the young kids tonight, this is what we grew up on. This was the Terradome. And Chris Fowler said it. He spent a lot of raucous nights at Lane Stadium since 99. And it's cool to see and hear it like it was in the glory days. And a performance versus a very good team was worth the Sandman run out. I love that. Yeah. I love that. They they, they earned it. They did. We earned it tonight. You you have Sandman. It's special. It's a great tradition. But you also need to go out there and get the, the W. And we went out there and got the W. And I think that, that that's just as important as everything else. And I'm it glad is. that we were able to uh, to really put together a solid game front to back. Um, you know, there there were some there were some things here or there that we could talk about, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I mean, this this was a completely different looking Virginia Tech team than what I thought we would see tonight. Uh, same here, same here. I thought we would look okay on defense, and let's start there. 
But I did not think we'd look like that, man. And I'm going to just – let's just take our hats off and give him a tip. We don't turn it around now. Tip the hat to Jay Ham. He had a hell of a game plan, and he called a hell of a game, in my opinion. Yep. He knew right away what he wanted to take away from that North Carolina offense, and he said, we're, we're going to make Sam Howe beat us through the air or with his legs. We're not going to let you – Use that RPO, that rushing attack. We're not going to let you feast like you did last year. We're going to shut that shit down, and you're going to have to beat us with your arm through the air with a couple of your key pieces out for this game. And and, and he did it. And he did it in, on every down, whether it be getting sacks. But, Brian, they were 4 for 13 on third and fourth down. 4 for 13. You don't win. That games. offensive line was confused. They they never really picked up what we were doing consistently on the defensive line uh, throughout that game. Um, Absolutely, they, they, were just, they were just consistently just off 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 balance, and th- there's no other way to say it. They were off balance all night. We we kept them off balance on the offensive line. If you can do that, you've got a good chance to win the game. Exactly. Now, they had 146-yard rushing, but, you know, Brian, we were looking here at the stats. 69 of those came on three runs. Yeah. And, you look at, and almost, you look at, almost half of that came on one run to close out the half where we were in prevent. We were in prevent, They and they decided to run the ball. So that was impressive. It, it just showed Pam knew what they, they wanted to do, and he was not going to let them have it. Um, you know, made some really good adjustments as you mentioned already. Um, but let's let's start. <laughs> uh, Brian, I am having a 12-year-old scotch, man. And this is only the first. I'm not smashed yet. And I don't think <laughs> smashed because, you know, tomorrow's Saturday and I've got things to do. But I'm enjoying a victory drink. But there let's talk to you on because, dude, Everybody on the defensive line, everybody that played had an impact. Yeah, so I mean I, that that's the best defensive line play in a in a single game that I've seen in a while from a rookie's unit. Um, yeah, Barno Barno just looked like it, there were some plays where he was just unblockable. True. Um, and then you had Garbett came in, got two sacks, looked like he's back. What where was. we saw him before. Yeah. Um, so if you, if we can get that for twelve games, that then we we've got we've got defensive ends that can make some noise. You damn right we do. Now I love what they were doing with Barno in some of the three down sets. When they would have him standing up, and he would be on. I mean, he'd be at like nine standing up, and the next thing you know, he's running in, and he's almost in the middle of between the guard and the center, just like standing up, showing his head in there. They dropped him some. Barno is a freak. There's no way to put that. He is a freak. And if he plays like he did tonight in the upcoming games, A, everybody enjoy it this year because he will not be here next year. Kai Garbutt, if Kai Garbutt plays like he did tonight, I mean, you're talking book rush ends who can get to the quarterback. And then, Brian, let's talk about all the defensive tackles, man. All of those guys. They were disruptive in the pass game. They were disruptive in the run game. Um, 
run game consistently, they clogged up the middle. That if they were going to get a run, they it was going to be in the spill area. They weren't running up the middle on this defense. It was it, it was as good as I've seen our interior rush defense in a while. Um, and it starts. I mean, the, Pollard had a hell of a game. Um, oh, yeah. Kendricks had a hell of a game. Kendricks multiple times on stunts getting to the quarterback, multiple times on stunts and slants, disrupting the play, making the running back run the hump, stringing it outside, and letting the guys out there take care of it. Yep. And Williams the same way. I saw Williams on a couple slants too. Quick slant gets inside. Next thing you know, the pocket is doing this. And House, he's having to run the hump. They they knew what they were executing, and they went yep. after it hard. And Williams didn't get that highlight play like the other guys did, but Williams was so consistent all night. If you go back and watch the tape. Every time. And by the way, shout out Josh Fuga playing that zero a couple times and just holding point of attack. Yep. That's what he did. That's his job. and He did it good. I want to know what happened to his head, though. I think Carolina took a cheap shot at him. He came back in in a couple plays, but like he was laying on the ground holding his head pointing. And when I see like something like that happen, I immediately think, Somebody took a cheap shot, but you know, ESPN's production crew, flappy on this. Y'all don't like to show replays at certain times. Um, Brian, they gashed us last year. Yep. I mean, gashed. We've already mentioned the stats. You take away those three big runs, and they, on the other 27 carries, they barely averaged, you know, three a play, which is impressive. Why? Why? Why did what was the difference between this year and last year? I mean, the the big thing is that we were gap sound across the board. The defense operated the way it should because we were gap sound. Uh, if you're gap sound, you're pushing rushing plays out to the spill area. You're letting your, um, you're letting your whip, you're letting your nickel, you're letting your safeties kind of clean up the mess. Um, last year we didn't do that enough. B gap was like like we said the other night. You could. Re- run a damn truck through it. Not this year. Not this year. Not this year. year. Uh, You know, one or two runs here or there, and and one of those was a quarterback scramble. The other was one play where we gave up the edge. Yep. And uh, Chandler was able to get, I think it was like a 15 or 20-yard run out of it. Um, But other than that, the the only other big rush was a a meaningless rush before halftime. Exactly. Um, but the bigger thing, other than the gap sound, like that's important from a technical standpoint, but just from a mental standpoint, this defense did not play timid or hesitant like they did at so many points of last season. True. So many points of last season, they were waiting, essentially waiting for the play to come to them instead of attacking it. And some of that comes from repping enough to where I know what I'm doing, so I don't think about what I'm doing. I just see it and react. And they were doing a lot more of that tonight. And I just they were playing with confidence. And that, that's another thing we didn't see last season. They looked like they were confident that they were going to win that game right out the jump, and that never wavered. Yep. And you say that not being hesitant, not being timid. We already mentioned the sack, six. Brian, we had nine tackles for loss. We had 15 plays in their backfield on 60, on 65 snaps. That's just at 
one of every four where we made a play in the backfield. That's not even counting pressures. That's not counting hits. And Sam Tao took some hits tonight. But, Brian, you talked about the gap. Last year, our linebackers, we played like dog shit versus them. This yep. year, hell of a different story. And, I mean, Alan Tisdale. Tisdale. Two, Tisdale two balled out tonight. If this is the Tisdale, the new and improved Tisdale, we're in for a pretty big year because he played very well tonight. He was sound, but he also was flashing that athleticism and making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. Um, and just completely taking away their ability to consistently get to where they wanted to in the rushing game. Yep. Seven tackles, one for loss, and a sack. Hell of a game for him, man. Yep. And when a couple times you saw him play spy, he was dropping in coverage. He was coming on some blitzes. He was and at 228, he did not look a bit slower than he did at 218 or 215. No, and he and he played much better inside the uh, the box than he did at any point last season, and mm -hmm. really at, at any point in terms of consistent that like that's the most consistent whole game I've I've seen him put to tape. So I, I'm I'm hoping that that's a sign of things to come for him because if if that's the case, like I feel pretty good about this linebacker core. I do too. Let's talk and about the next one though, Max <laughs> Hollyfield. Oh, man, the, the, the towel waving. <laughs> Dax was solid all night. He had four tackles. He had um, half a tackle for loss, also half a sack. He was helping. He cleaned up on a sack where essentially it looked like Hal's – I think Hal's pretty much down, but he came in there and made sure he put him down. Um, yeah. But every time, there are three plays that I want to talk about, and I can't remember exactly when. One, they – ran an outside type run, almost like a sweep type play. And he got out there and he set the edge. He did not let the guy drive him. He did not get off of the tackle. And in that case, I know we there's been discussion. He doesn't know how to get off blocks. In that case, I asked you, Brian, I'm like, is that the right play? And you're like, yeah. He held the edge. He spilled back inside in the alley. Everybody was there to clean up. He gets off of it. He helps clean it up. Done. The second play. Yeah. And you probably remember this one. They did get a good RPO run, and he stepped right into the B gap, made the tackle, fell down. It was a three-yard game, right where he needed to be. Yep. And the third play, <laughs> <laughs> his interception. Interception. Got an interception. I was told by certain people anybody could make that interception. But here's the deal with that. And, Brian, you mentioned it when he even played backer. He's always in where he's supposed to be in the right spot. If you look at that play, he is supposed to be in the five to ten yard zone drop. That was his position. He didn't deviate from it. He didn't go freelance. He didn't come up to the line. He stayed right there. And when Norpel Pollard got up in that play, beat the guard, gets the hand, makes the tip, Dax is exactly where he needs to be. He has to make an athletic move, makes the interception. Three times. He did the right plays. We were lined up right all night. He was getting the crowd going. Actually, multiple players on the defense were just raising it up, and the crowd were responding. If I see that play with Dax all year where he's getting four tackles, everybody's lined up, he's in the right spots, he's setting the edge. You said it with Tisdale. I feel really good about this defensive linebacking core. 
because there's one more guy we got to talk about. We did it, yes, Brian. Yes, there is. We finally did it. We finally Jamari did. Connor slid inside and played linebacker on a handful of snaps. Um, and we had, we had talked about that potentially being something that they might do to mix things up, and they finally went to it. Uh, we also, you know, we'll get to it a little bit, but part of that was part of the true nickel package that we rolled out there. Um, and then some other plays, it was just, okay, well, situationally, let's get Dax off the field. We'll move Chamari in there. And it, it, it worked. It, it, and it kept North Carolina off balance, balance all night. They, they really never felt comfortable in their game. Um, Sam Howell never got comfortable in this offense. No, the he did No, he did not. He looked like a couple times deer in headlights. Yep. And I've said it four times now. He got popped more than one occasion tonight. When he ran, he paid. When yep. he stood there trying to make throws, he paid. And I like getting that on tape because the next quarterback's going to be sitting there looking at it and be like, God, and I think. That Barno guy at 260 bearing down on me. I'm going to probably throw the ball a couple seconds earlier than I probably should. Yeah, and let's talk about Barno a little bit more before we move on. Barno yeah, yeah, yeah. putting on some size still has the speed, still has the athleticism, and like I said, just making, making plays, man. Um, 11 everywhere on the field defensively, everywhere. Yeah, all over the place, man, all over the place. Um, You, you – do we give kudos to Jay Ham coaching the safeties and rotating guys in and out, not playing favored? We saw Hunter. We yep. saw Tay Daly. Yep. We saw um, Keonta Jenkins. Who am I missing? And Nasir Peoples. Nasir Peoples. Tackles. Nasir Peoples had six tackles. He was in there making plays. All four safeties had moments where they, where they did well. I know uh, Hunter didn't log a tackle, um, but he was – at the right place, making sure that the uh, the ball carrier went where it needed to in the run game. Um, what I saw out of Kayanta Jenkins, what I saw out of Tay Daly, and what I saw out of uh, Nasir Peoples, all of it was was good. And if if we've got a four man rotation like that at safety, it's good. I, I'm I'm cool with that by committee because I, I mean I mean we saw we saw Daly make a bunch of plays. We saw him make a really damn good play. That should not have been PI that got called PI. And he yeah. was consistently I mean Garbage. I love I love seeing 17 back out there. Cause I mean we, we love Diablo. It's nice seeing yeah. 17 back out there. Absolutely. So Tay Daly, I mean, shout out. Good job repping the 17 tonight. Damn good job repping the 17. And the play he got a PI on was just complete bullshit. He was literally trying to make a play. And Brian, you talked about where his arms were when we were getting ready to come on here. It's like yeah. He was literally the only thing he was trying to do was get to the ball. It was yeah, incidental. He, he, he didn't do that hip wrap that, that gets called yeah. a lot, especially in the NFL. Um you know, he was right on the right on the hip pocket, rotated to get his shoulder in front, reached out. There was a little bit of contact with the shoulder, but he was clearly going for the ball. I mean, that that's very incidental and he had position to make that play. It wasn't like he knocked the receiver off of a line to get to, to get there. So definitely, definitely that one should have been uh, let go there, but you know, whatever we won the game. Exactly. All right. Let's roll up into the corners because I think tonight, because when we went to that nickel, 
Waller played the nickel corner. Yep. And in that, I, you know what I have shades of thinking about it now, Brian? Which guy? Kyle Fuller playing nickel. Yeah. Because Waller's physical as shit. Yeah. And the way Strong and Armani can cover on the outside, it's awesome. Let's talk about it, Armani Chapman, man. He was Chapman, Chapman played a hell of a game. Um, I, I love seeing him rotating in at outside when they went with the nickel packages. Um, he was kind of swapping out with, uh, with strong, keeping, keeping those guys fresh. Yeah. And he had a, he had a couple big plays in the running game, a couple big hits. Oh, and, what a big hit. Yeah. He killed, 26. he killed number 26. Dude. <laughs> he just, he, he, he essentially forced the guy to miss that block and he popped that, that kid and turned him over. And that kid was sitting there like, you could see he was just like, I did not like getting hit like that. The, some good pass breakups by Armani. He had two pass deflections tonight. I mean, um, you know, tackle the pass deflections that that in that tackle was such a big tackle because on that swing pass, if you, it was set up good, when he when he beat his guy, it was this whole if he gets him, it's a four to five yard loss. He got him. He made him pay. He made him think, and it put them behind the chains where they were consistently all night. Yep. And I mean, if we're going to consistently do the nickel package thing, it is going to benefit all three of these guys. It's also going to benefit. There's going to be. I'll say this right now. After game one, I'll feel comfortable if they on base packages let Jermaine get a breath. Yeah, the way Armani and Dorian played. Yeah, yeah, and and let's talk about it too. I mean, I know we've already touched on linebacker, but it helps play to Dax's strengths and mm-hmm. minimizes his weaknesses as well. Very true. Uh, because, you know, now, now you don't, now you're not only taking Connor out of a potential man-to-man mismatch against yep. a slot player like Downs, yes. moving him where he's probably more, more, more responsible for a running back or a tight end in that type of uh, positioning. And he can definitely handle that, whereas Dax may struggle with that potential a little bit. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that can benefit us having that true nickel set out there, especially when, um, you know, you're able to take advantage of it and you don't get kind of caught in no man's land with a, with a sub or anything like that. So exactly. All right. Let's flip it over. We've already talked about him. Jermaine Waller, that pick, he, he took not only that ball, he took that wide receiver's soul when he rolled on him. <laughs> and then there was Dude, arguments. He, he broke on that. It was already a catch. And he said, no, that's mine. That's mine. He loosened it. Then and he got snatched it. And he rolled on. And, man, it was beautiful. When – I, I want to – maybe hopefully in the next few days here, Brian, we can see some of the data. But I want to stay – all of Downs' catches, Waller was, is when we were in the base. Is when Chamari there? No knock on Chamari. No, but I don't think Downs. Uh, and, had and the the big so the, the one play. The, I mean, there's a bunch of plays. I mean, teams are going to get yards. Shit happens. Yes. There was only one play that I looked at tonight, and I was like, "Damn, that really shouldn't have happened." And that was that tunnel screen that Downs took to the house. Yeah. No, no issue with that being a 15 or 20 yard gainer, but. We should have had somebody Not in position there to make a play, get the get him to the ground, make sure that didn't turn into a touchdown. 
Yeah, and that's what it did. And I think that might have been their biggest pass play of the night. Um, let me get Downs' numbers up here. Yeah, 37-yard touchdown was his biggest pass play of the night. He went eight for 123. The rest of the crew didn't do too much. Uh, next post three for 46. So, again, secondary balled out. Um, shout out before we get to the last corner. We've already talked about Tamari Connor quite a few times. A, a hell of an ankle tackle on Downs. If Tamari doesn't make that tackle, Downs is way downfield. And yep. then that last pick, he got the hand under and he held on to it. And they reviewing it because what happened is when he went down, he, he had the ball secured. But when he popped up, I want it looked like maybe the Carolina guy nudged him or something, popped up. And they're like, "Oh, did he catch him?" It's like he was literally laying on the ground, his hand under the ball, his knees on it. Him trying yeah. to stand up, you can't even rule because college football is down by contact, or it's not down by contact. It's down in general. So yeah. if he has the ball secure when he's laying on the ground. It doesn't make a shit what happens when he pops up. I don't know why they even looked at it, but you know, maybe they were trying to find some for Carolina. I guess maybe they thought that didn't have a hand. Up. I don't know. Whatever right, they were looking for, it wasn't there. So, all right, Brian, real quick, Dorian Strong, the freshman All American. I didn't see a regression from him tonight, man. Play gave up some plays, but those plays, it looks like we were in that quarters coverage you talked about, where it's like. Okay, you're going to get 12 yards in the first down, cool, but you ain't getting shit outs. Yeah, and he had a couple where he was out there kind of with 50-50 balls, especially that um, one of the last ones that was thrown to the end zone uh, that he went up, made a big play, um, made sure the ball didn't get caught there in the end zone. So he had a really good night. Like you said, kind of kind of steady, um, made plays when he needs to, but I think one thing that's improved a little bit for him is the tackling. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he's we saw, we saw it towards the end of last season, but um, you know those, those plays now where you know you're catching the eight yard out, the eight yard um, curl. He's making sure that that's getting that's a tackle every time. It might move the sticks, but it's not it's not turning into something worse. And I think that that's that's big for us. And he, he was solid all night. Like I said, I was really impressed with the fifty fifty balls that he was able to win. And, uh, and and keep those guys out of the end zone. Absolutely. And I'm trying to go through here on the roster real quick because I feel like the last time I looked, he was waiting at 175. And just looking at him out there tonight, Brian, and before I – let me get there quick. Efforting. I don't, Efforting. I don't, I don't think he's 174. He looks bigger. I mean, some, guys be, play, some guys play bigger, man. But he looks bigger. He looks physically bigger. And I'm wondering if it's the old Robbie Compton thing he talked about on the coaching or on the clinics. <laughs> hey, we're gonna list we're gonna list uh Dorian at one seventy five, but he's one ninety. Well, what what did he check in uh before spring before spring uh weight started? One seventy four. That's what we're listening to Matt. <laughs> so I think he's playing bigger. He looked good. The cornerbacks look good. Shout out to Mari Connor leading the team in eight tackles along with that pick. Um, I'm just going – I don't want to label it. I don't want to label it, but I'm pulling out some from behind here, Brian. That's a cup from 2004. Okay. Those defenses from 2004 and up to about 2010, it, it took me back. 
We popped the shit out of people tonight. We were rushing. They, it, with the exception of them breaking a nice twenty yarder here and there, they weren't getting anything. They weren't getting the mid game. Yeah, it took me back. And then with the crowd as loud as it was, I mean, the crowd got in, stayed in. The defense was making plays all over the field. They got turnovers, which is something that we need to start doing consistently again. So it was nice yep. to see that. But I'll, but like I said, the, the biggest thing to me was that we looked like we had an identity. We had a purpose. We were we were playing fast and loose, but still solid in our technique and, and, and being where we need to be. Freaking lootly. Yeah. And, 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 and Fuente said it in the interview with TSL a couple months ago. We could not establish our identity last fall. And whether you love Fuente or you hate Fuente and loathe him, or you're like us, where you're somewhere in the middle where you be- we believe he's a good coach. Is he the right fit here? Maybe, maybe not. But if that's the identity of the team, the way we ran the ball, the big plays, which we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes here, he's found the identity, especially on defense. And having somebody like Jay Ham and that personality run it where you know he'll call you out and he's going to talk to those guys and he's going to read them. Um, yep. Man, I don't know. All right, Brian, anything else on the defensive side of the ball in your notes there that you want to discuss? That's all I got, buddy. Oh, one last thing. Sam Howe, career 68 completion percentage. Tonight, 51. That took a hit. Yeah, it took a big hit tonight. And with that, before we jump into the offensive side of the ball tonight, we are going to take a quick break, and we're going to go to our digital partners. All right, Brian. We back. Well, we're back. <laughs> We've got to say it. Props to say it with me, Brian. Brad Cornelson. Cornelson. There, there is a caveat to this, but overall, that was a well-called game by him. Uh, he did what he needed to do call-wise to keep them off balance, especially early, and get us the lead. Um, good job of kind of peppering different areas of that defense, mm-hmm. not just leaning on one area or the other, not taking too many. When, when it got to critical third downs, he wasn't kind of going back to the old faithful. There was a lot of difference in mixed-up calls on There was no quarterback power tonight. <laughs> what? Blasphemy! <laughs> Quite a few jet sweeps that were a lot of good. jet sweeps, uh, and and most of them were effective. <laughs> Very effective, but no quarterback powers. Um, you know, the one thing that kind of got me when we had the lead going into the second half was he did get ultra conservative. I mean, he got into a shell and was almost like, yeah, I felt, I felt, it felt like again, it felt like fifteen years ago. 
Yeah, and they would do that crap. Like we we, we were we were definitely we were business. playing to protect the lead at that point, and I get yeah. that. Um, I, I and I'm gonna throw it up here on the screen. Cam makes a good point. Did we agree with the conservative calls before half? I'm torn. I'm torn. I, I'm a guy. I, I'm aggressive. I, I if I got a team that's reeling, I want to step on their damn throats. So it you. was. It wasn't something that I liked. But if you talk, if you poll ten coaches, six of them would agree with what he did. So, but the whole piece is, I think what you can do, Brian, what they've got to look at doing is, it's the it's the safe aggressiveness. It's running a tunnel screen. It's running, you know, running a running back screen. Running an like here's a play. If you hit, and it hits good. You can go try to get points. If it doesn't hit, nothing is lost. And I think too many times we see not enough coaches do that, where it's like you need to have – it's almost like these guys getting paid six figures a year don't sit here and say, well, I'm going to choose four plays. And they're all pretty safe. Unless somebody does something, you know – Julius Peppers-esque or Sean Taylor-esque, and I'm putting some older names out there because those guys were freaking to do crazy shit. D'Angelo Hall-esque. Unless a guy does something insane, this is going to be a safe play. Now, worse it can happen, it can get dropped. We stop the clock. But in reality, we look at the time on the clock. If we punt a deep, they're probably not getting back, Right. The reality they ended up having, is, yeah, they ended up moving it kind of close. They, they they were just close enough there that if they wanted to take a shot, they might could have got it to the end zone. Well, they didn't get yeah, Hal killed though. If, if Hal could have <laughs> full, if, if Hal got a full crow hop, he might could have got it to like the the four or five yard line. Yeah, I don't know. But the whole piece is have plays in your back pocket. I know you love like throwback screens because you could peel off and go kill a defensive back. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love knocking the piss out of guys that are smaller. Yeah, that's always fun. But it's fun. the whole – have some in your pocket that's safe <laughs> that if you don't execute it well, it's going to fall to the ground. It's like, okay, we're going to give them 20 extra seconds. Our defense is playing good. So I didn't, I didn't like that. I also didn't like the way we kind of went into the shell in the second half. Um, and, again, I think it's the whole – you asked me what, what I, he's weird because he, he he got conservative when we had the two score lead, but actually started mixing it up again once it was back to one score. Yeah, so, some of the calls once we got it back to one score were a little bit more what we anticipated. Because I, I don't I don't mind going a little conservative, but as you said, it, it's like a, it's a calculated risk that you yes. want to take with some play calls. Not you can't go full conservative where okay, well we got to hope that. Even with a stack box, we're going to break this inside zone for for seven or eight yards mm-hmm. here. You know, I mean, you, you can't do that. You can't just keep you know pounding pounding it against the line or you know throwing those like real quick uh, bubbles and tunnels to the to the wide receiver and hoping that they break out. They're playing us like that now, knowing that hey, they're going conservative, we can we can play them like this, hopefully stuff them up and get the ball back. And and they did for, for a good stretch there. And uh, and th- we made a couple mistakes in the own offense as well that kind of exacerbated that a little bit. 
Yep. All right, Brian, I'm going to throw a stat at you, and you tell me if yep. you would live with this all year. If we converted 50% of third downs all year, would you be happy? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. If, if, we, if, we can, if we can get between 50 and 60 uh, most games, I'd be happy with that, especially with the, what is supposed to be an improved Carolina defense. And I think overall they were improved. Yeah. Um, they, did a, they did a good job of overall of um, taking away some of our big play potential there. Um, but but we were, we were able to consistently get yard when we needed to. And I think that was the big thing is that we, we weren't always consistently moving the ball, but we, we got the ball where it needed to be at at big times in the game. Absolutely. And folks, if you look at the stat line, it's going to say six for 13. The last non third down conversion was Braxton knee in the game out. So reality six of 12 and Brian 50% last year would have been a top 10. Think about that. So there's there's some wiggle room to be an elite conversion team. Which, if this team runs the ball like that and converts, it's it's you watch out now. All right, so let's let's jump. We're gonna look at a couple of the positions. Let's start with the running back rotation, Brian. Okay. Um, first, first, because after that we are gonna go to the offensive line, and I'm just gonna shut up for a little while. But, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The one thing that we have been heavily critical of Brad Cornelson since he's been here is occasionally he does not use running backs right. Yeah. And me and you talk, we feel this is an agreement. We feel he actually used them correctly. Yeah, I mean, he, he used Raheem Blackshear heavily in the passing game, whether it was running some wheel routes, um, kind of using him as – Checkdowns, little, little quick outs, little flats, um, screens, obviously. Um, but they, they did everything they could to get him the ball in space or the ball where he can catch it, turn, and, and make some plays. And he was able to get that big one early in the game that really kind of set up, um, you know, how this game ended up playing out. Um, you know, when we talked the other day about what we needed to do, to win this game, it was be effective at moving the ball with the running backs, with some of our other other guys that, that weren't necessarily outside. And I think we did that early. We get James Mitchell involved early, get um, Raheem Blackshear in the, uh-huh. in the uh, screen game and with the in the passing game. And we were able to get that first score, and that kind of set the tone. And then the defense came out and did what they did. So – Good job with, exactly. the, with, the, with the running back rotation to start there. Um, I think with uh, you know, Raheem was effective at times in the running game as well in terms of just taking the handoff. Um, we had a lot of plays where we were handing it off to him in that kind of that lull period of the offense in the second half where they had they a stacked. stack box. Uh, that, that definitely hurt his overall um, yard per carry. But it I did. think in the first half he was pretty he was pretty effective. He didn't have any sort of big runs, but he had a, a handful of solid runs. Yep. Um, so we're between three and five every time. Early. Yeah. Yeah. What really hurt him was a couple of times he got caught in the backfield. And then yeah. one of the plays was that it was the it was the field side and they called a banger. It's like the safety was supposed to come down and he completely wiped it like five or six yards behind the line of scrimmage. And, and there was another play just, I think, before the, the Mitchell touchdown, if I recall, where it, it might have been on another drive. It. where He dropped yeah. it. He dropped the handoff. 
Where if you looked at that play, I, I'd love to, you know, we're going to have to somehow figure out how to get the game tape in here, Brian, because if you, I feel like if you looked at that run, there's going to be an off-tackle play in it. There was some room for him to walk. That yeah, well, if if, if he would have been kind of like set it up outside and then put his foot in the dirt and got upfield, there was an alley. Was yeah, there was an alley. There. So, so yeah, but, um, um, but I think although they weren't on the field at the same time, I think how how much better do you feel this year about the way they're using Raheem Blackshear compared to last year? Much better, much better, and and it was nice seeing him actually getting the the official start there on the first series. And they came out and, okay, well, all right, you got Raheem starting. And then they actually used him the way they should use him. Like, right off the go, it's like, okay, okay, I can work with yeah. this. I oh, yeah, can but, work but, with this. And, and, Brian, but on the first drive, though, you know, they used all three backs. Yeah. Jalen comes in and gets some carries. Jalen came in right after the big uh, wheel route to Raheem Blackshear, yeah. gets a good carry. I think King got a, a two, two or three-yard gain on a run later in that drive. Yep. And then they close it out with a score. Yep. We actually, Braxton closed it out with the Braxton, run. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if that play was designed that way, but it worked kind of right. I think it was supposed to be a sweep, but it wasn't. Um, but overall, you know, we only went for 127 rushing, um, which is not a, you know, compared to what we were doing last year, not a big number, but we, we got the win because, again, it was your point. They started stacking – the box we played ultra conservative for a while there um you know Jalen to me had a good game they used Jalen for what Jalen's supposed to be yep bigger guy let him let him wear on people and you know just hit him between the tackles and and you know with with the way this defense likes to go multiple and really kind of brings pressure in the run game and in the spill areas of the of the defense working between the tackles with Holson is probably the best best course of action there um, you know, we're still waiting to see if any of these backs are going to be a, a game breaker type type play, even occasionally, like 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 uh, Khalil Herbert was last year. Um, you know that that remains to be seen. But if we can get consistent play out of these three backs, then that's going to be important. I was sad to see uh, you know the, the costly fumble from Keyshawn King, unfortunately, yeah. and, and then he didn't really get a touch after that. So I don't know if that's a doghouse situation or what, but. Um, I'm hoping that he gets a good amount of run in next week's game. Yes. And, and yes. I really want to see what he can do uh, in this offense. It's true. And on that, unfortunately, on that fumble, if you look on the left side of the field, there's no one there. They committed to the box. If he makes one cut and runs a hump, he's probably got the corner. He's got the speed then, to probably get the corner there. So. He's probably got the speed to get the corner. <clears throat> So it's just one of those things. Um, he was in on kickoff return duty, um, although yep. we didn't get a chance to. Um, so not maybe halfway in the doghouse, but I don't I don't recall him coming back in and getting any more carries. But overall, solid night from the running back room, especially after losing um, Herbert for last year. Um, okay, they're just scary enough. They're just scary enough to make people think about things in their own little way. All right, Brian. Christian Darisol was the first-round pick. We had to figure out what to do with Nestor and Hudson leaving. What did you think of the line as a whole? And then I want you to focus on the right side because we saw everybody on the right side of the line, it felt like. 
Yeah, um, I think the offensive line, they did a really good job of not getting bullied by that defense. Um, and they, they pushed them around, especially early on. Um, saw Caden Moore get some really good blocks in the interior. Um, Brock had a good couple that he got called on a questionable hold. But... We didn't see it. We did not see it. They did not show it. And, <laughs> hey, listen, Lane Stadium fans are smart fans. And it was a big call of bullshit after that because we know, and folks, some of y'all probably were there tonight, and other of y'all have probably went. They'll show the play on the video screen, yep. and it took a few, it took about thirty seconds, in and you heard bullshit. So I'm thinking ESPN didn't show that because it was probably one of those flippy calls where it'd have been like, you really called that a hold. I, it, I mean, that was the first down. So I mean, a- it looked like so that they ran. It looked like a a hard slant into um, the play side and Brock just kind of tried to get underneath and just kind of position his way in there. I didn't see him actually grab cloth or anything. So it is what it is. Um, But I think I thought as as a whole, they held up pretty well. Um, We didn't really give up a ton of sacks. Um, That was my concern. Um, I was looking at, you know, maybe the right side won't be able to hold up in pass pro. Maybe the left side might have some some moments of lapse because we, we've we've seen um, those troubles before. But mm-hmm. overall, they they held up across the board. There was a there was only really one play. I think it was uh, Silas Anzi had a uh, had a whiff on that sack that that Burmeister took, and then the uh, the other yeah. defender got got his face and shoved him for whatever damn reason. After that, like. Well, that should have been a penalty, especially Danzy. The guy comes running to Danzy, and like he yeah. pops him, he plays over, and I'm yeah. sitting there like, "Hey, that's dangerous!" Like, cause he didn't see him coming, and yeah. he plays dead. Um, should have been a 15. We should have moved on, but you know, we we had to win the game with a few officiating errors, and we'll talk about a really special one later. But Brian, overall, you mentioned it: one sack. They gave up one yeah. sack. This is this is this is really good for me. Four tackles for loss. Yeah. And you're all you always talked about the two four fives as an aggressive attacking defense. To only say out of I'm gonna get you the uh, snap count total here. We had sixty three plays. To say they were only in the backfield five times, they were in the backfield less than ten percent of the time actually making a play. Now hits and stuff, we obviously saw in the pick that happened, and we saw them, you know, the screen pass to Blackshear which could have been a massive gain, it affected it. Yep. But, again, we look at ours versus And theirs. some of that was by design. They just had a good call into where we were running the screen. Let us so, just I kind mean, of – By, by design, we're, we're, we're not going to block some no. of those guys. Just, but Leticus we didn't expect them to get little, there as quick as they did. And Leticus whipped on the guy just a little bit. I think if Leticus had put his, put his back or just kind of gave the guy just a little punch, it probably would have been okay with the play. But I think it's also a thought is I'm running a screen. I'm the third line of defense it's because it was Caden and Silas out. Leticus is back over here towards, you know, right in front of Braxton. So I'm sure his responsibility in that screen would have probably been anybody coming from this way, try to get to him. Because we got That's probably what we call a, a retracer. So a lot of times screens have a, have a retracer. Well, they're usually it's the center of the backside guard. 
Uh, and they're essentially responsible to try to wall off any defensive linemen that have kind of read screen and are working their way back to where the ball is going. Yep. But we saw we already saw Caden and Silas. We saw Tyrell and Johnny play. Johnny took some time at right guard. Glad to see both those guys getting in the rotation. Um, also glad to see that Vice, and I know he rotates guys, but glad to see Vice that early because it was pretty early that they were in there. Trusted them early enough in the game to put both of those guys in there to get them some reps, which, again, as we see that, it's like, okay, maybe we're okay. We're getting slowly better depth-wise. Yeah. All right, Brian. Let's flip over to the wide receivers and the tight ends. Trey Tay and Big Stone Gap had good nights. Yeah, good nights across the board. Uh, Tay, two good rushes from the jet sweep. Um, had another catch that um, that I think moved the sticks. Um, we had all of James Mitchell's catches came in clutch moments, whether it was the touchdown, um, there was that grab down the sideline. I mean, there, it just seemed What about like, the one in the middle where he literally face-palmed, not one, he face-palmed two Carolinas to go 15 yards and get a first. I mean, yep. That that play it, that's going to rival the Eric Kuma face palm of Quinn Bland. <laughs> two of them. Yeah, I mean he he had a good night, and then um, big play Trey, uh, two key yeah. catches. Um, that uh, that that, that were catch really on big. the sideline, man. Yeah, that catch on the sideline, and then that jet sweep to lock it up at the end. There, you saw him get it, and he ran like when. When you see when you saw Trey run that play and he was running hard, I was a point, I was like, get down. And he was just it was almost you could see the mentality of, no, I'm ending this right here, right now. I'm getting the first down. He didn't stop and he eventually got the twelve yards and he eventually got there. Um let's talk about um this. Let's look on the schedule, Brian, the next 11 games. And I know we don't know what everybody has yet, but just sort of between looking with Brett, the pick six previews, looking at PFF, our just general knowledge about who we're playing. Are we – we didn't have a lot of outside passes. We didn't have a lot of stuff going on tonight. Very good game yeah. plan while we're giving poor credit. Are we going to face a more talented threesome of cornerbacks this year? Uh, probably not. No, um, may, maybe the at least athleticism wise, Miami might be the next closest. Um, but just in terms of overall ability and and the fact that they've come along so quickly, I think this is definitely the most talented group. Or as I should say, they are they, they are one of the most talented group. They are definitely the most physical group mm-hmm. relative to that talent that will play. So. Miami might be a little more seasoned overall um, and ha- and still have some of that athleticism, but I don't think they're going to be playing that bully ball like uh, North Carolina likes to. I got you. Another thing tonight to notice, people, and we mentioned about Dwayne Lofton and we mentioned Jalen Jones and some of the other guys. We didn't see him tonight. We didn't see him on primarily offensive plays. We'd have to go back and look at the special team play. If anybody knows how to get all 22s during the game, please – message boundary corner podcast so we can actually pull that feed in so we know where everybody is. But the game plan tonight, Brian, didn't dictate 
we were running up tempo, we were running fast, we were running where we needed multiples. The game plan was we were freaking waiting for the call to get in alignment about fourteen seconds. Yep. We we were we were definitely playing ball control. We did not want Sam Howell to have the ball. Yeah. Um, we, we were taking our time, we were being deliberate with our play calling, we were being deliberate with our execution. Absolutely. And Brian, and me and you talking here beforehand, um, it took me back to the Fuente or to the Oklahoma State game um, back in the bowl back in 2017. And that game was exactly like that. Exactly like that. We, we, were, we were slowing down. We were going to play very slow. You had James Washington. You had Mason Rudolph. They were a hell of a tandem. Oklahoma State scored a lot of points. And in that game, we lost 30-21. We also had in that game, if you can go back and recollect, Brian, we had a fumble inside the 10-yard line, which, you know, wants to make you lose your freaking mind because if you if you remember it was early in that game, and I think we were up 7 nothing, where it's like, or we were up 7-3 or something like that, where it's like, if we score here, they're going to have to do things a little bit different because they had Chuba at the time. Well, not Chuba Hubbard. They had somebody. They had a good running back. They had a good wide receiver core. And it was just like, we're slowing it to a snail's pace. If you're going to beat us, you're going to pop some big plays. That's fine. But you're going to have to do it, and your defense is going to have to suffer. Unfortunately for that game, we had crucial turnovers at different points in time. You know, we had the fumble and we had an interception. Tonight, we only had one turnover. Yep. One turnover. We we get we we outgained them three to one on turnovers. Um we'll take that back. No. Three to two on turnovers. So we only we're only plus one of the turnover category tonight. Yeah. So let's talk about BB. BB three, the QB. Um, what do you uh, think, Brian? He, he had a pretty efficient night, um, especially did a great job uh, with his pocket awareness, with his knowing when to tuck and go, knowing when to keep eyes downfield. Um, I like that he took a chance to thread the needle to James Mitchell on that touchdown. Um, that, that was a ballsy, ballsy play. Um, ballsy play, but I think he saw Tay too. I think he felt yeah. like, one of my boys are going to get this. I'm going to fire this thing in there. It, it went it went right past the defender's hand, and it, it was high enough where Mitchell could make the play. So, I mean, it was, like, it was a calculated risk, but definitely a ballsy throw there. And uh, But but I like the fact that he took that risk there. Um, but the thing that impressed me the most was his, his pocket awareness and knowing when to, when to move in the pocket, when to step up in the pocket, when to take off out of the pocket. Um, he did. He did a really good job there, and that extended some extended some drives for us. Um, took what could have been a negative play or a no gainer, turned him into a five or six yard gain. I saw one one in particular. He dropped back, looked like it was um, about to get sacked. Stepped up in the pocket, kind of went down the line of scrimmage a little bit. More guys bearing down on him, took off, got a seven-yard gain. So I, I thought he was about to either throw it away or take the sack there and ended up getting a seven-yard gain for us. So um, those right. type of plays are like the game within a game um, that, that quarterbacks kind of endure there, and I think he did a good job with that. Where he needs to get more consistent is obviously um, 
some of the, the, the short passes, um, you know, we had one that ended up getting intercepted. You had a couple that, um, the screen to black here, screen to black here. Yeah. That's great. If, if, that, if that had been executed the way you want with just enough touch, I mean, he had, he had room to run for days. So that, that would have been another big run there for us. Same way with overthrowing uh, the, little, the little swing route or the little half wheel. I'm going to call it, call it the half wheel because yeah. we're throwing it like six yards. But the little half wheel, and it was late in the game, if he hits that, Blackshear has about 15 yards up the sideline before probably the nearest defenders can get it. So he definitely has to work on that, Brian. Um, yeah, definitely has to be, get more consistent. But there were things I did like with him throwing the ball, and that was uh, some of the fades and some of the, the throws down the sideline that he made. Um, there was that big one to Trey. Yes, um, beautiful. Yeah, that couldn't have been placed any perfect with the coverage. Yep, and then he had a you know the the fade to uh, to Tay that got called back. The second fade to Trey that was uh, pi that didn't get called. That uh, was Tony Grimes. Yeah, that was that was Tony. That was Joker. It was Tony? He was hooking him. If they called Tay Daly's P.I. and they didn't call that, it's just like, what are you doing? Well, they're hand fighting. Like, no, he hooked his arm. Like, this this wasn't hand fighting because Trey, you could see Trey was trying to get the arm, like, up. But he is literally stopping the arm. Yep. And, that, and say what you will, they call that and we're at the one-yard line we get in. And it's really – More than likely, yeah. It's going to Call force- it Jet Sweet. Jet Sweet to James Mitchell. James Mitchell, give James a second touchdown of the night. I'm going to go back to something you just said a few minutes ago about Braxton and his pocket awareness and his scrambling ability. Is he Mike Vick, Tyrod, B-Ran, Mark? No, he's not. But he has an unbelievable scrambling ability. Do not sell it short. Do not sell it short that there are going to be times this year where, unlike the past, there's going to be times where it's like, ah, shit, we're going to lose four yards here. That he's going to scramble, get out of it, and get a positive game. Yeah, Is he doesn't have positive? he doesn't have that like the 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 game breaker the that mentality um, that like a Vic had or that a, that a Tyrod has. But he's got speed and again the awareness in the pocket to know when to take advantage of that speed. And I think he that's going to be an asset for us. He doesn't have their twitch. Yeah. He does not have their twitch. I will be full on with that. But when he recognizes that he doesn't have a pass play and he can get two, three steps, he can get going. Yeah, he, he accelerates. Going. He accelerates fast, and he's fast. got pretty good top end. Uh, like I said, like you said, the, the twitch, the being able to, you know, take that that one uh, one good move and turn it into a a touchdown for you know forty fifty yards. Haven't seen that from him right, yet. There's going to be no. He's got the play. actual speed to do that. Yep, there is going to be one play that Brad Cornelson, Trey Turner, Justin Puente, Jafar Williams look at him. That design play where Trey kind of went out and ran a smash, he was wide open. Yeah, because of the motion and it pulled that safety over, and Trey beat his guy, and he missed it. If he hits that, and at the point in time, if he had hit that, Trey walks in, and I oh, think yeah. at that point in time it would have been a seventeen point lead, and I think we would have been like, points. 
Yep. Ball game. Yep. Ball game. That, that, that would have been the dagger at that point in time in the game. And just, you know, that that's the ones you can't miss. No. We got lucky tonight. We got lucky. We missed it. But also, Brian, we won 17-10. Yep. In this era of college football, we won 17-10. But you know what makes me feel kind of half bad, half good? What you got? We could have scored 31 points tonight. Yeah. We definitely got points on the field. As big as this game was for us, we still left points on the field. This could have been a better victory for us than it was. We could um, have so there's definitely the definitely room to grow, no doubt. Well, and that's a piece. We could have blown the doors off on them. They can't say that. They can't. No, no Carolina fan can come and say, we should have beat y'all by two touchdowns. Bullshit. We should have beat y'all by three, maybe 24 points. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we had you at arm length the entire game. And, and you know, there was – only there at the end was there even really the the feel of the threat. Okay, well this 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 is going to happen. This might happen, you know, whatever it is. Um, Virginia Tech controlled the flow of that game from start to finish, and you know, missing a field goal, um, not getting a call, putting the ball on the ground. Um, you know, if you missing talk about the, the assets, yeah. I mean, straight up. This could have been really ugly. And, and to a point, you're like, well, that sucks. But to a point, it's almost like, no, this is good. Well, get that so shit on tape in a, in a win against a big-time opponent and then improve on it from that point, right? Damn right. First time in seven years that we beat a top-10 team of any site, that was the Ohio State game. Ohio State, yep. First time since 2009, Miami in the rain. That would be the top ten team in lane. Justin Fuente gets another ranked win, and you know what? Can we just get like a month to prepare for every game? Can we play like three games? <laughs> because say it, Brian. Just say about what Fuente does. He he does a damn good job of preparing to open a season, especially against a quality opponent. And. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about trickle down here because that's gonna that's gonna matter and it, we'll see how much it matters later. But it can't be undersold the impact that beating a North Carolina team that's been eating your lunch a little bit, especially in the off off the field stuff. Uh huh. It, it it's nice to get a victory and shut those fuckers up a little bit, right? Dang right. And it's nice nice to get a little bit of momentum on that recruiting trail that you can point and say, hey, he might have a top 10 and a top 15 classes stacked back-to-back, but we still beat their ass. We're beating all your high-caliber um, – we're beating your high-caliber guys. You know, he's coming to Virginia. He's coming to the 7-5 and taking guys, and he's coming to the 804 and taking guys. We still whooping your ass. Max has been there three years. He's two and three. And the year he won was the most <clears throat> fucked up year in the history of collegiate football. In the history of collegiate football. It's never been anything like that before. We're out there playing with literally backups and guys who are having one day to prepare. We got walk-ons out there, guys. And, and let's just say this too, Brian. 
because this is the one that really, really, to me, even matters even more. We've been in the AC since 2004, right? Yep. Since 2004, UNC's beat us four times. Four. Four. Yep. That's why you aren't a rival. You beat us four times. Go, go steal all the recruits. You don't know how to coach. And Max proved it. I'll say it. I'll say it aloud. He was having freaking top five classes at Texas his last three years there, and he was freaking barely winning eight games. I think, think the, the problem is that he's a decent coach and a damn good recruiter. Yes. And that only gets you so far against quality opponents. And we'll, we'll see if he ends up putting things together here in North Carolina. But, you know, looking at this team, if they play the same way they played it today, I mean, that's 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 a, at least a three-loss team, right? At least a three-loss team. Well, we'll see how Miami looks tomorrow against Alabama. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how Alabama looks against there. Um. They don't play Boston College. We do. NC State looked good last night. I think they played them this year. NC State is a team to watch. Damn right. That defense is nasty. I completely blew and, that. And I, I, I oh, probably wait. went to say, if you, if you told me last year that the NC State that we played in our first official game in 2020 would have been, number one, the NC State that finished the season, number two, the NC State that opened the season in 2021, they're they're going to make some noise. I'm, I'm looking out for them. Um, I don't yeah. necessarily think they're ready to challenge Clemson, uh-uh. but that's that's not a that's not a game that Clemson's going to kind of just by default. Okay, well they're the they're the second best in our in our division of the ACC. We're going to kind of you know put the screws to them like we normally do and, and keep moving. Well, other things we're finding out tonight: Duke is bad, bad, um, bad, I bad. Think- um, I will now have to really watch the West Virginia game, Brian. Yeah, because I told you we'd lose that one. You said you we told win. me we'd lose. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go ahead. I, I'm gonna put my name on it. I was wrong. But you, Chris but Stapleton, on. I was hold wrong. On. Hold on, hold on. But what did you say would have to happen if we won this game? Now I, I, I told you the keys to victory. I was right about the keys to you victory. I was wrong about the prediction. I was wrong on two fronts. I, I predicted we lose. I predicted that both teams would score in the 30s, and neither came close. I think Vegas made a lot of money tonight because apparently the Sharks were all over us. The general public was all over UNC. And I guarantee you, I think the line was 63. After what happened last year and then what happened two years ago, Vegas is about to build another building because of this game. (laughs) Everyone was hammering the over, and they came up well short. And they probably knew after halftime that that that, that was all – all bets were off on on if they hammer the over. (laughs) Well, shit. We're not going to hit the over here. But, okay, we're going to find out – we're going to find out a ton about Miami tomorrow. Yep. We are going to find out a ton about Tennessee – or, excuse me, Pitt next week when they play Tennessee – if Pitt looks like trash in Tennessee, the way Tennessee played last night, it's almost yeah, like it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm not worrying about them as much. Um, and then – I mean, that, that's already one based on how much they lost in the offseason that I felt I feel pretty good about. I mean, it's at least a pick them, especially in, in lane. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, handle Tennessee 
I mean, if, if that's an outright Law. L, then, then, then you already start questioning it. If it's 10 points or more, yep. th- that, that pit team could struggle. Um, again, they're going to live and die by what Kenny Pickett's able to do. Um, which, I mean, we, we, we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, pre- pretty decent, uh, floor. You know, he's not going to be awful. Because they they need him to be something because they just can't you, run the ball and. Are you sure um, about awful? He scored zero points the last time he stepped in Lane Saban. This yeah that I'd get yeah I'll give I'll, I'll say that was an awful outing for him. I was terrible outing. By the way, the last two times uh, fans have been in Lane Stadium, the Virginia Tech defense is giving up five points a game with a full <laughs> Lane Stadium. Um. UV, let's let's just stat of the day. <laughs> um, let's look, Sarah. You know, we we're looking at some of the folks in the coast. We've looked at Duke, obviously bad. Um, UVA. I don't think we find out much about tomorrow's playing. We marry except if they lose. Jesus Christ, yeah. they're going to be. Yeah, we, we don't know much about UVA unless it's a nail biter or they lose. Yeah, um, um, but I think we I think we find out a little more about them in. Not this weekend, but next weekend when they play Illinois. Um, although who knows where Nebraska is, but I think Brett Bielema's like got something going in Illinois. Um, yeah, n- make fun of Brett Bielema all you want. I think the guy knows how to coach Big Ten football, and I think he probably is going to get them in the right direction. So you know, we've we've already He's got to keep them competitive in that league. They may hey, not Brian. win it, but. Eventually, they're going to get there. Eventually, they're going to be a team that if he gets what he wants and does what he wants to do, it's one of those, fuck, I don't want to go play those guys. He's going to find 335-pound guys. He's going to lean the shit out of us. I don't want to play that. Brian, there's no way, no way that your season prediction can be 100% correct. You have to be happy about that, right? I do. I do. Um, you know, my, I'm already, I've already taken the, uh, the L on that one. And so actually Brian's celebrating the L like, yeah, yes. These sons of bitches. Hell yes. Wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove um, me wrong. yeah. Prove I mean, me if, if, they, if they prove me wrong and, and keep, keep the, the, the W train moving here, yes. um, you know, Notre Dame's still going to be a struggle. Miami's still going to be a struggle. I still BC's going to be they, a struggle. Based on tomorrow night, um, you know, I, I, I still like, it, especially after what I saw from fucking North Carolina today, I still like Miami to win the win the coastal. You did say that, but but we're looking better than I thought. We're looking better than I thought because we've turned it back, and it looks like a defense from the heyday. We're playing defense first again, but with an offense that is dynamic enough to score points when it needs to. So yep. if that formula can be carried across the board against the other big opponents that we have this year and we don't have those letdown games that we occasionally have in the season, you know, maybe this can this can be something. We'll see. But um, right. we'll see. cautiously Let's... optimistic. Cautiously oh. optimistic is, is the the frame of mind I'm in right now. Hey, um, before we close it out here tonight, I'm really hoping that game day shows that tomorrow when they open up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. big swing in the miss across the board. All of you. All of you. 
Well, folks, unless something's broke, Brian, which I have not seen the last few minutes here. Nope. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner podcast on a winning Saturday morning. We made it to Saturday morning. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple. We also have a YouTube page. Check it out. Or if you you can always get this or the hype video that Mr. Siegler dropped just last night. Yes, sir. 2021 season chiller is out yes, there. sir. Go check it out. It's on the website on the uh, the videos tab. Go give it a yes, look. It is. Now, you know, if you are looking to join the Hokie Club and help achieve the Reach to Excellent campaign, please go to Boundary Corner. Blah, blah, blah. Poundrycornerbt.com forward slash giving to get started. Our buddy Jason Long is playing at Grandin's Farmer's Market in Roanoke tomorrow from 8 to 12. If you're not hungover after what happened tonight, go check him out. Get some fresh fruit and uh, probably a lot of other good stuff. It's like the Farmer's Market here in Richmond. Have a nice uh, Saturday of grilling out with uh, some of the good stuff you can pick up there. Also check him out on Spotify and Apple Music. It's a winning, Brian. 1-0 start. Feels good. Yes, it does. As always, buddy, let's go. Hokies!